Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Westman demands. Now, this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother, Wesley. And today we are discussing a movie from 1993, The Vivitches. One of two Hocus Pocus. Tubular. Hocus Pocus. Tubular? Was that a 90s-ism? Yeah. Didn't Ice say Tubular. Of course his name was Ice, right? Right. What was his sidekick's name? Something equally 90s, like Jay or something? No, exactly. It was Jay with clueless hair. Allison had an Alicia Silverstone vibe. Vanessa Shaw. The Top Gun Maverick connection is that Vanessa Shaw, who played Allison, boned Russell Crowe in 310 to Yuma. And Russell Crowe beat the crap out of Tom Cruise in The Mummy. And Tom Cruise, of course, is from Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> Thanks for making that connective leap. <laughs> because all roads lead back to Top Gun Maverick for Wes. Exactly. This is my no nostalgia whatsoever Hocus Pocus review. First time seeing it? First time ever. And just in time for Hocus Pocus 2. Which I'm going to have to watch by myself, apparently. There was some suggestion that it was going to be you guys recording it without me. Yeah, special guest episode with the oft-named and mentioned Sneak and Pigeon? <laughs> I can never get it right. <laughs> but you must have some nostalgia for Bette Midler. Uh, not really. Sarah Jessica Parker? Uh, I mean, now I do, having covered all of the Six in the Cities and stuff. And, and I remember Sarah Jessica Parker from, from the 90s or whatever, but... Uh, Hadn't seen this one. And Billy, played by Doug Jones, the legendary creature actor, I saw his face here and there as part of pop culture. But I never connected who that character was until I saw Hocus Pocus. Ooh, he's the creepy dude from Hellboy? He's the creepy dude from everything. Oh, he was Amphibian Man from The Shape of Water. Yep. So he's one of those physical actor types. Yep. Very skinny. So he fits in, in a costume. It doesn't look bulky. It looks less like a dude in a suit. He was in the newest Hocus Pocus. Spoiler. Jesus. <laughs> I'm just saying he's credited. So I forget how many times it took me to complete the Vivitch viewing. Probably like four or five over the course of four or five nights. Yeah. Similarly, it was even harder to complete Hocus Pocus. See, and it, uh, 
Isn't that a bad sign? A very bad sign. So can you just recap a little bit for me, please? <laughs> no. I saw this movie please. once. So it's basically the Vivich but light. Vivich 2, Electric Boogaloo, where they're brought into the modern era. And they're awakened, I guess, by a black candle, I guess. And the cat is all like talking or whatever and has contemporary speech, even though he's a kid from the 1600s. And then he, but he gets his resolution. He like goes off. He walks through the, the gates of heaven. I guess. The gates of heaven is reunited with his one and only love, his sister. Uh, yeah. I mean, is that redemption? Is it happiness when they're still dead? I was like, dude, they both of those kids are dead. And Kelly Ray was like, yeah. And they just never, like, they weren't saved or anything. They're just spirits were released from 300 years of purgatory. Well, that's the moral of the witch story and the Dracula story and the all the other stories that immortality is this kind of unknowable horror. Like, it sounds like a really good idea, but then it's just sad because you go through life without any real connections or loved ones. Man. And there's no end. Bringing down Hocus Pocus. <laughs> this one is for uh, theistic or, or philosophic contemplation, right? This one's not? Yeah, no, this one totally is. This is a thinker. Are you suggesting that because... Hocus Pocus doesn't deserve a sequel 29 to 30 years later? No, because I completely missed Hocus Pocus in 1993. I mean, you were the ripe old age of 17, so you probably, this you were like off, I don't know, doing what. Wait, are you saying you, had, you hadn't seen this either? No. Man. And so I had no reference or nostalgia for it. I mean, I guess I was, I was just like on the outer end of the demo, like just a little bit old for Hocus Pocus. It begs the question, what age is this movie appropriate for? Is this Monkey Trouble? Is this all about Thora Birch? Or is this about Max and Allison, uh, who, were, who are actually almost exactly my age? One of the original pitches for Hocus Pocus 2 was focused on Max and Allison's daughter, who was 17, conceptually. I think it's more for the tween age that would aspire to the Max and Allison archetypes. 11, 12, I guess 13. Maybe I was in the sweet spot. I don't recall there being a ton of nostalgia and certainly no clamoring for Hocus Pocus 2. But in this great content race... And the proliferation of streamers, people need content and people are rebooting everything. So it's it makes sense that a machine like Disney would try and turn this into a franchise. I mean, Sarah Jessica Parker is certainly so much more culturally relevant now than perhaps she was in the 90s. I don't know about that. She was a star or whatever in the 90s, but now she's an icon. Is she? Sex in the City, people are diehard. They like walk around with the I Am Carrie shirts. You know, the irony I think is... Talking about a sequel 29 to 30 years later, it didn't do very well when it was first released in the box office. It came to to be a cult classic and, and made a lot of money over time. I don't know that it begs a sequel or whatever, but it's a bit more appropriate back in 1993 when it was okay to virgin shame. Because for a Disney movie, it talks a lot, awful lot about how, how whack Max is for being a virgin. And nowadays, they're not going to play that up at all because it's not politically correct. Yeah, there were a couple of eyebrow raises at the fact that Max was a virgin. Like someone forcefully made him cop to it at one point. And the irony is that is that 13-year-olds, which you said is the target demo for Hocus Pocus, maybe for Hocus Pocus 2, a lot less of them are virgins nowadays. And it's totally unacceptable hey. to talk about it. It was like literally the last line in the movie. As Minx Spectre is passing through the gates, he's like, I had to wait for a virgin. Yeah, lame old virgin. 
there were just not enough virgins around willing to light candles. I seriously thought this was going to go in a once bitten direction. Oh, spoiler. And uh, Max was finally going to get some and break the curse. Jim Carrey? Yeah. That whole thing is about him being a virgin and the vampire's need for uh, the vampire needs virgin blood. The vampire was fixated on Jim Carrey because there just aren't that many older virgins. Exactly. At around 17 years old. So speaking of, why were the witches so obsessed with Danny? Like, wouldn't any kid suffice? Why did they need to have Danny? Because she's a cutie. And they're fans of monkey trouble. I haven't seen that movie. You don't have to see that movie. She gets a monkey for a pet. The monkey gets pulled away from her by bad guys, I think. At the end, she reunites with her monkey, and I cried. <laughs> you can't trust a primate actor. After Nope, and after what I heard about the um, little shoulder monkey in Hangover 2, it's just not worth it. I mean, they're no Black Nathan goats. They're more trainable than goats, apparently. Black Nathan. <laughs> but, that's a that's a vivid reference. Yep. So apparently chimps are highly trainable, super friendly, super affectionate until they reach a certain age. I think it's seven. And then afterwards, they'll tear your face and your nuts off and cut your hands off. Really? Yep. Like Bubbles? Yep. So Bubbles goes to an animal sanctuary where he can't be around humans because all of a sudden, once they reach some level of maturity, I'm not sure that seven for chimps is sexual maturity or whatever, but they get hyper aggressive. Wow. They just have to be kept differently. Dad told you about his monkey story, right? <laughs> Dad did nef definitely not tell me about his monkey story. I guess I don't see any other place <laughs> in or whatever movies podcast for Dad's monkey story than Hokey Hocus Pocus. Tell me. <laughs> well, he was always bringing back, and maybe I heard the monkey story from Aunt Eileen, but he was always bringing home like random and exotic animals that he would just pick up in his wanderings. And so one time he brought home a monkey and Elaine was like elated and they snuck him down to like the basement and they were keeping them. They kept the monkey down there for like a couple days, but then they ended up not being able to control the monkey or even get near it because whenever they did, the monkey would pee out of the cage at them. I do vaguely remember this monkey story, but it's just, it's a, like, I don't know why dad chose to have kids because it's as likely he would have killed his baby sister as us. Because in our era growing up, if he had found a monkey, he would have brought it home. And, we, right. and it would have killed everybody. <laughs> oh, my God. And he's got such great exotic animal stories. Did he tell you about the kangaroo? The kang? No, he didn't tell me about the kang. <laughs> Although when I was in Chicago, he did buy a snapping turtle for me. He did? Yeah. Some kid walked by, like with a hobo stick over his shoulder, but instead of a handkerchief tied to an end, there was a snapping turtle hanging off of it. It was it like grab the stick and then you just pull it out of the water and apparently it never lets go. And he sold, <gasps> I, I have vague memories of this. We're walking around a lake in a park, like a man-made lake in Chicago and dad and uncle George bought this snapping turtle off this kid for 10 bucks. And we took it back to, <laughs> to uncle George's house. Or maybe it was maybe it was Uncle David's house, and he was in the basement, in like the basement sink, and somehow we got worms uh, somewhere and tossed him in the sink, and it bit the worm in half, snapping turtle style, and both halves were still alive, and I learned a value, very valuable worm-based lesson that day. Don't put your finger in a snapping turtle's mouth. Well, right, just in general, but no, about worms. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they have like five brains or something. <laughs> so weird. All right, maybe I didn't learn that much. When do you think we will go back to talking about Hocus Pocus? After I tell you about the kangaroo. So 
Some guy used to walk through their neighborhood with a kangaroo on a leash, and he would sell opportunities to spar with the kangaroo. And you could, you pay the dude a couple bucks, and then you get like one minute with the kangaroo. And dad said that some dude stepped up, paid the money, and then um, the kangaroo punt knocked him out. <laughs> like flat out on the floor, like the kangaroo was fast as lightning, took the guy out, and then the carney or whatever just walked on with his kangaroo for the next sucker. Is this only in like 1950s Chicago? Where like a traveling circus came through, Nightmare Alley style. How'd you like to get punched out by our kangaroo? Certainly never happened in Torrance. You have to make your own trouble in Torrance. Yeah, well, you you certainly seem to be good at that. Yep, and in Hawthorne, and we left there when I was 11. I was what you call a troublemaker. I would have been trouble for these bullies. Would you have been one of the bullies? Uh, Not necessarily. I didn't have the self-confidence. They were overconfident bullies. They were equal opportunity bullies because they were messing with Max and then they'd push Thor Birch around. It's like, wow, have you no honor? Yeah, they had no bully code. So do you think that what happened to them? They were just in the swinging cages? Yeah. They're for, just, for forever? They're just crabbing Goyle. They're there to get their comeuppance or whatever. And as far as we know, they're like they're going to find them in Hocus Pocus 2. They'll find those cages and they're like little feet, skeleton feet sticking out of it. <laughs> they also had a really off-color joke about being peeping Toms. He was like, let's go watch some hot babes get undressed. Yeah, dude. I was like, what? Max likes your yabos. What's that? Thora Birch said that to uh, What's-Her-Nuts. Oh, to Allison, yep. right? To embarrass Max? Yeah, this is very 1993 kind of Disney movie. Did she do that on purpose to embarrass her older brother, or was it totally innocent? I don't know. She's bucking. This is how Disney do in the 90s. (laughs) That was a Journey of Natty Gann reference. Wow. Look, I don't mind that we're going on ridiculous tangents for Hocus Pocus, because you can't take it seriously. This is not the Vivich, not that I took that seriously either. It's just kind of fun romp that you're on board with or not. And it's a tough sell if, I mean, because I looked and Bette Midler looks all stupid and her character was, Winifred was obviously based on, in part, on the Wicked Witch of the West. And she does that, she does that kind of voice. But it's like if Disney Channel got a hold of Wizard of Oz and made her scarier and more like Wicked Stepmother looking, you know, it's very theatrical and, and stuff. And it's very obvious that the movie was shot on a soundstage. It was, in fact, shot on the biggest soundstage that Disney had available. It doesn't matter. It looked like a soundstage almost every minute of the film, as far as I was concerned. Unless they were on location, like a house or on the street or something, it felt very contained and theatrical to me. So it wasn't like you have to take this seriously. I mean, I guess they really wanted to do the authentic witch vibe and and still they're looking for children and stuff. And they even mentioned eating kids. Uh, at one point, they referred to them as, as a shishka baby. <laughs> but in true Disney fashion, shishka baby is about, no, that's not the worst you get. The worst you get is when they get on the bus and he says, where are you looking to go? And Sarah Jessica Parker's like, we desire children. And the, what does the bus driver say? Might take me a couple tries, but I could probably get you there. Right. And so, and not ever having seen this, I was like, whoa. But Kelly Ray was like dumbfounded. She was like, I never got that until now. <laughs> and then she's gleefully sitting on his lap. Gleefully. the bus. Sitting on the, she's riding, literally riding his lap. <laughs> 
And then she's, she, and she's such a tease because she's like, bye. And then Bette Midler has to intervene. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It was a different era, man. Yeah, a ton of off-color, 90s, Troop Beverly Hills level, like, inappropriateness. I think that the key to Hocus Pocus is you got to love the witches. You just got to love them. You've got to find them charming, entertaining, and find joy in all of their little the quirks of their performances all the asides and the funny things that they're doing that aren't center stage like they're always yucking it up right they're always each one of them is always doing something yucking it up is probably the best possible way to explain that <laughs> they're like three stages but i mean uh so if you're not on board with the witches i mean you're certainly not going to hang your hat on the kids or their performances yeah Kids and animals, man. But these kids were pretty good. Thor Birch was one of those preternaturally like gifted child actors who looks a little bit weird in adulthood because they don't look like they did when they were a kid. Like you see old Haley Joel Osment, and you're like, what the hell? But uh, Thor Birch was a really cute kid, and her little cute her hair always looks like a wig. It's like kind of wiry and and shiny, but that's her real hmm. hair. <laughs> okay. But uh, I can't think of her as being a blonde. She seems it seems unnatural to see her as a blonde. Right. I agree. Because the iconic role is American Beauty, of course. Yeah. But unlike uh, Black Nathan in uh, The Vivage, you didn't have to worry about the cats. There were multiple cats, but they were well trained. But boy, if the cat wasn't up to snuff in its performance, I think the CGI really made up for it. For how low budget this movie was and how obviously soundstage it was, the special effects were actually pretty good particularly the cat. Are you joking? I mean, look, for 1993, that cat effect was pretty seamless. You've complained about special effects in like the last 10 movies that we've reviewed. Yeah. And you're saying that the Hocus Pocus special effects were actually pretty good? For 1993, for an almost, it was like $23 million. And Richie Rich had was like $40 million. It was a pretty shoestring budget for this kind of movie, especially considering the, the cast and, and everything that went into it. Like a lot of that cost went into the cast. I expected it to be a wonky cartoony effect like on commercials now uh, for the cat mouth movements, but it was pretty seamless. Like it was the whole cat's head. I mean, obviously it's it's a fantasy, but it didn't feel 90s ultra dated the way I expected it would. Some of the effects were a little bit wonky, but the cat in particular, I thought they did a really good job. As a wow. matter of fact, they insisted that it would be as close to a real cat as possible. So they were animating and manipulating a cat's real head for the special effect. And they actually had to tone it down because when a cat opens its mouth to speak human style, its fangs are very prominent and it looks threatening. So they actually had to tone down the fangs so that it would look less scary for kids. 1993 example of augmented reality. Yeah. 
The worst effect in the movie was by far the end when the purple smoke, when they go up and smoke and stuff. There was one rush of like spirits and ethereal matter flying up into the sky all Ghostbusters style. And it was kind of equally as bad as Ghostbusters special effects. Right. And we forgive that for some reason. But man, you have to understand, you had to be there to see how those special effects looked in the 80s and 90s. And then to see them now, it feels so dated. But it felt normal and decent then. Whereas now, this the cat effect stood out to me as being at least admirable. Like, they put in some work and it kind of worked for me as much as this entire movie was a fantasy. So did the did the movie work for you? Yeah. I mean, look, you have to accept that this is one of the 80s slash 90s conventions where if people get on stage and they decide they're going to they're going to sing a song, then everybody falls in line and the band like strikes up right along with them. And their witch sisters <laughs> know all the backing vocals and harmonies and stuff. Oh, yeah. They have they have the choreographed dance down. Exactly. Oh, my God. And it just works because you like maybe they have which in which intuition, which which in to it intuition that's it intuition intuition yeah. nice but maybe the key is coming to hocus pocus with zero expectations and bet midler is a good singer so it was kind of inevitable i was expecting them to have a musical number and yet still shocked when they actually did it even though it fell completely in line with 80s 90s movies convention but once you understand what that is and once you understand the caricature the types they play and stuff and that it's not really simple like you're not following this witchy tale and 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 making and you really hope that the kids are going to be everybody's going to be fine i promise and maybe the witches will be vanquished and go up in puffs of smoke but be back for hocus pocus 2 29 years later i kind of liked it like it dragged a little bit i'm not sure that i'd put on hocus pocus every halloween but i missed the window for it to become part of my dna for it to really sink in as a part of essential nostalgia it wasn't my thing so very tough sell coming at me in my middle age and trying to convince me that it's a good movie. I told <laughs> Kelly Ray afterwards, I said it was better than I thought it was going to be. I was more interested in, oh, look at how they did that. Or or look at Penny Marshall pops up. That's crazy. And and uh, we just talked about her in a league of, league of Their Own. This is right after that. And Gary Marshall popped up. And I was like, whoa, they're real they're like husband and wife playing Satan and Medusa or whatever. That kind of side quest got a little bit tiresome when uh, they were in the house for like a full 15, 20 minutes or something. That's a lot, considerable amount of this movie's runtime. Yeah, they definitely milked that joke. Yeah. Like it was funny at first when they were like, Master! Right? And the weird part about Penny Marshall being in this movie and Gary Marshall playing husband and wife is that in reality, they're brother and sister. Oh. Weird, right? Oh, interesting. And so what are witches? I don't know. Witches are, they wear pointy hats and they fly on brooms. But you can't cover these women's hair with hats. So they did away with the hats, but they still fly on brooms and vacuum cleaners. But what do you do with witches? Hansel and Gretel, you pull the Hansel and Gretel maneuver and you trick them into the, the kiln or the fire or whatever. And you burn them up, right? Yeah. It doesn't stop them. <laughs> there was, I don't know why there was a giant incinerator at the high school. Right? A giant walk-in kiln. That seems safe. <laughs> right. Especially for seven, 16, 17-year-olds. Yeah. Nobody would go in there, right? But it's all patently false. It's, it feels fake because it is fake. Of course, there's a like just like there'd be a boiler room underneath the high school in a nightmare on Elm Street big extensive boiler room that kids would never go into. You know how you can tell that it's that it's fake? If there is a witch museum and a 300-year-old haunted Sanderson's house 
in a neighborhood, kids are never going to break into that thing and mess around. Like all that gift shop stuff would be un untouched, right? For like generations. <laughs> all those Zippos yep. would be intact and none of the windows would be broken. It takes some naive brave california confidence to go break into the sanderson house <laughs> right nobody lit that that black candle in 300 years you know the zippos when you buy them new don't have fluid in them is that true what a cheat you think like airpod style they would come with just a little bit juice nope because of the you know positive user experience nope i mean so zippos are meant to be windproof and they are and that's kind of cool and everything but also they're a pain in the butt to maintain you have to fill them with fluid like every day no. Yep. What are they just constantly seeping fluid? It's like a watch. You have to wind it. And so, but there's like a cotton thing in there that soaks up fluid, but it doesn't last for very long. Like it requires more maintenance than I'm willing to put into a lighter. But hmm. it, it is worth noting that in the 90s, that's how you know that a kid is cool because Max, he was like a quick draw with the Zippo and did the little flippy thing and the striking on his leg. That was cool because <laughs> smoking was cool in the early 90s. I mean, it was definitely smoking in True Beverly Hills. You know, I'm very curious about Hocus Pocus, too. Bette Midler is the same age as Dad. Yeah. And if she's romping and frolicking and... Aided by wires and special effects. And bug-eyed and on wires yep. at 78? <laughs> that's got that's pretty impressive. I don't know. Maybe she has like an upgraded like Cadillac-looking broom now, where she rides on like a hover broom. Wait, so how are they going to come back if they were totally vanquished by the sun? Which, by the way, didn't it seem like an awfully long time? If we were just going to wait for them to be vanquished by the rising sun, like, couldn't we have just held out until it happened? If you're going to go through all the shenanigans, at least have Max and Allison enact the vanquishment. Yeah, like Top Gun Maverick, what they should have done is found and stolen brooms. Or they stolen one of the brooms, and they they soar up into the air where the sun is already up, and trick the witches into uh, getting into the sunlight. Yeah, no, we don't get any of that. Nope. Well, I mean that, that's a higher budget movie concept. But yeah, what you do, that's what you do. Thirty days of night style. You just batten down the hatches and you sit it out until the sun comes up. <laughs> I mean, so wouldn't you save yourself a lot of time and, and effort? Absolutely. But this isn't the diary of Anne Frank. We're not holing up. You can't just hide the whole time when there's evil afoot. So in 80s and 90s parlance, was jerk face a, an innocent enough insult? Mm, I'm not sure about the cultural context, but it was perfectly in line with Laura Birch's character. What about when Max, the kid from California, says yeehaw? Everyone's a cowboy in California. No, that's not true. Unless you're, I guess, from like Massachusetts or whatever. Like, I think it's the West. Yeehaw, dude! I've never said that in a serious context in my life. Yeah, and I think the game has been upped for shoe fashion. It would be way more r realistic now that someone would shoe jack him. That, sh oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, apparently that's what bullies do. That goes back way before our time when they would like steal the shoes but not wear them or sell them. They'd throw them over the telephone line. You mean you do that just to punk somebody? I, I thought you did that to say, this is where we sell drugs. What's more shameful than having to walk around with no shoes on? <laughs> so here's what I'm going to say about Hocus Pocus. Uh, I expected nothing. I got something, and I was actually pretty satisfied with what I got. I think that Bette Midler is a good performer, and Sarah Jessica Parker is good at being the cute one, and Kathy Najimy at being the funny one. It's all good. The, the kids didn't piss me off. I thought that the older ones, Max and What's Her Nuts, are a little bit old. I, I mean, I guess if you have the incredibly young Thora Birch, you got to look out for her or whatever. Weren't they driving at one point, too? And I was like, this is weird. Yep, he's driving. 
but also like the broom stuff and the flying, the wire work was really good. It looked appropriate and atmospheric and very fall and leaves rustling all over the place and gone with the wind style technicolor sunsets on the backdrop of the of the set and stuff. You know, I think Hocus Pocus would make an amazing stage show if they haven't done that. Like all this heightened mm. theatricality and the wire work and, and the blowing, like hair blowing in the breeze and stuff and leaves rustling across the stage. I think it would be really good with more musical numbers where they actually encouraged it. And it was fun in that way, in a hyper real theatrical sense that made me appreciate it for what it was. I get that this flies directly in the face of what I've always said about how I don't like movies that feel like stagecraft. But this one, I think it, it feels like almost the opposite. If you had told me, oh, they're in the 70s, there was a Hocus Pocus musical and this was the movie version, I'd be like, oh, I totally get that. But it was charming knowing that it's the other way around. And I think that it was supposed to be fun and silly and not overstay its welcome. And I don't really think it did. I think that it was fine. I think the Hocus Pocus was an all right movie, which I think is high praise, given that I was super, I've been super resistant to it for decades. Plus, you also just kind of like Halloween. I love Halloween. It's kind of your vibe. And I don't know that this added to the staple of Halloween movies, but maybe. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. If they try to do anything different, Hocus Pocus 2 is not one that demands furthering of the plot or more in-depth of the characters. If they rehash it, I'll be fine. I don't feel the stakes for Hocus Pocus 2 that I did for coming to America. Which is probably a good thing, given your low expectations going into Hocus Pocus. You can go similarly into Hocus Pocus 2 ready for anything. So I'll sum up my review by saying what he said, and we can leave it at that. What? Oh, see, yep. you you can't paint yourself into a corner with a with a boring going into Hocus Pocus two. I really don't think it matters. Hocus Pocus two is going to be great no matter what because I'm going to be hanging with my girls. Amy knows how to throw a kick ass party, and we're going to grub and drink and be silly and probably have deep existential conversations after afterward. So that sounds great. Okay. It's kind of like the movie is beside the point, although I'm sure it will present lots of fodder for discussion. We hope that you've enjoyed this Halloween season, including titles such as The Vivitch, The Black Phone, Skeleton Key, Lamb, and The Hocus Pocai at orwhatevermovies.com or wherever you get podcasts. We'd love to hear from you this Halloween, 818-835-0473 or whatevermovies at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this discussion or any of our 200 episodes at orwhatevermovies.com, please support us on Patreon. Please subscribe to our podcast. Please, if you're so inclined, give us a five-star review. It all helps listeners find us. Thanks again, and happy Halloween. Tubular. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. If you're a working professional wondering what's next for your career, you've come to the right place. Whether you're looking for a promotion, growth, or a potential career transition, look no further. 
With over 30 years working in a variety of industries, I share my insider knowledge with those ready to get ahead on Career Advancement with Craig Ansell. Tune in to get your strategies for success.